Hey, this is Kelly Whiffen. Thanks for joining us today for the Encounter Church podcast. We all want to live lives of better decisions and fewer regrets. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we believe the next 30 minutes can be one of the most helpful and hopeful parts of your week. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a couple messages. Thanks again for joining us today. So as a parent, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I find myself, I have an eight-year-old, and that um, every night when we sit down for dinner, uh, when she first started school, my questions were always, sweetie, what did you learn today? You know, tell me what you learned. Oh, shapes. Oh, letters. Oh, numbers. That's awesome. Um, Now I've found when I sit down at dinner most nights with her, I I don't really care what she learned that day, um, if I'm just being real. All my questions are are in some way, shape, or form trying to not get to a what, but to who. I'm like, so tell me about recess today. How was that? Yeah, what did you do? Oh, fascinating. With who? Right? Especially like over the last year, we've, we've dealt with some mean girls, which is kind of a new thing for me. Growing up as, as a boy, uh, we tended to like, you know, hash it out, your mom jokes, typically, you know, somebody's mom was offended. And, but after that, like a few minutes later, you were fine. But this like mean girl thing to me is very interesting. And so because of that, we're constantly saying, who? Who did you eat lunch with today? Oh, well, that's interesting. You didn't eat with, why didn't you eat with her? Oh, well, we, she said this, or I said this. And I'm like, oh, okay, did you deal with that? Did, you know, did you talk through it? Did you leave school mad with her? Did she, like, every one of our questions seems to center around the who. In fact, my wife's been like, you probably need to back it off and come around a little bit more indirect because it's like, I mean, I'm like, shink, turn on the light. I'm like, who were you eating with today? And she's like, you know, she's smart. She's going to pick up on the fact that you're trying to get after something. I'm like, yes, it's true. But so who did you play with today, sweetheart? Um, You know, oh, they want you to have a play date. Yeah, that'll never happen. Okay. (laughs) You know, we just don't trust them. Okay. Um, it's just interesting. I, I'm, I'm sure this was probably what it was like for my mom when I was growing up. Uh, my first and second grade year in school, I was not exactly, I was, on, I was the who that was on the other side of what the who I was looking for in my conversations. Um, I got in trouble frequently. In fact, um, in second grade, this was a different age and time period in life, undoubtedly. But there was a, an abandoned library beside my second grade teacher's classroom. And the reason it was abandoned was because there was bats living in it. And if you were, if you got in trouble, if you kept talking, if you weren't listening, her threat was that she would take you into the abandoned library and like leave you there or hit you with a ruler while you were in there. And, and she wasn't joking because there were many times I was taken to the abandoned library with bats in it. And it did something because third grade, I had a fresh Prince of Bel-Air experience where I walked away and I was a different man and I had different sets of friends. And so I guess maybe that's why I'm tuned into this so much. But it's just fascinating that like the most important thing in my life right now when it comes to my daughter is the who, not the what. And then as we talk about better, as we talk about a year that looks better, I think that we have to make sure that in the process as we wrap up today that we don't neglect the who that you're with too. Because see, the who question isn't just about childhood. It's not just a childhood issue. It's an adult issue too. 
fact, when I sit down as a pastor with someone and they begin to tell me their story, rarely ever is their deepest regrets, their worst decisions, solitary ones. They happened with a who. It's a someone or a lack of someone. And so this who component is a really big deal in your life too. It's not just for your children or your grandchildren or for your previous life season. In fact, today I want to take you to a passage that's really simple and brief. And in some ways, the challenge with today is that I'm going to tell you something you already know. But I don't know if you've noticed in life, the problem isn't hearing it. The problem is heeding it and doing something with it. Um, because of Jumpstart right after the message today, you'll notice that the, the message portion will be a lot shorter. So I'm just taking one simple, succinct piece of proverb, and that'll be kind of how we navigate today. Um, Proverbs 13.20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, if you've spent any time in Encounter Church, you know I love Proverbs. It's practical, it's portable, it's pithy. And it was originally a parenting manual that Solomon wrote to prepare his children to take over royalty. In fact, every single night, and if you were to somehow be creepy and listen into our conversations, um, our family, um, when Jenny or um, my wife or me put our daughter to bed, um, we read and we pray. And this is a proverb passage is typically what we read. I'll say, hey, Ella, I was reading this and a walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. What do you think that means? What do you think it means to walk with the wise? And we end up having a good 10, 15 minute conversation because she'll say something undoubtedly like, okay, daddy, tell me what this would look like for me. Give me an, give me an illustration. Give me an example of tomorrow with my friends. And I get to be absurd sometimes with it. But it ends up sparking these interesting conversations where she's internalizing these Proverbs that are guiding her in life. And if you spend time working through Proverbs, you'll notice there is a large amount of Proverbs focused on relationships because it's such a critical piece of our grander life puzzle. And when this one says, walk with the wise and become wise, you'll, you'll notice Solomon has this general trend throughout the book of Proverbs. He likes to use walk as a metaphor. It's a, it's, it's a figurative way of saying living or doing life. And he uses two words that are really loaded that are probably not two words that you and I use very often. He uses the word the wise and he uses the word fools. Now you may use the word fool um, when someone cuts you off or you know says something or does something and you mutter fool underneath your breath as they walk away. But there was actually a pretty defined um, set of kind of definition when Solomon would use wise and fool. It was all around connectedness. Someone who was wise was connected to God and the ways and the words of God. And a fool was someone whose life lived disconnected. They lived disconnected from what they knew they should do and what they did. They lived disconnected from what was right and what fleshed out in their life. They lived disconnected from God's words and God's ways. And that was Solomon's um, kind of loaded meaning for both of these words. If you were a fool, it meant you were disconnected. You were hypocritical. You could talk it, but you didn't walk it. And his encouragement here is that the people you're with is shaping who you become. That the people you're with ultimately shape who you become. And it's, it's just the principle, period. 
There's not an, an exception to this principle. There's not a, a work around this principle. This works for the good or for the bad, he says. Because the who that is with you will eventually shape the who you become. Because the quality of the relationships in your life will affect the direction and quality of your life. Uh, for those who are big uh, runners in this room, clearly I'm not, but I appreciate the sport and um, the mechanics of just the mental aspect of driving your body beyond. And, and I'm fascinated. I kind of study people who are just great at what they do because um, I'm just fascinated by what drives people. But in 2017, Shalane Flanagan was the first woman to win the New York City Marathon in 40 years. It was an incredible uh, and moving experience to watch her run across the finish line. She did it in about two hours and 26 minutes. Um, the only time I have ever gone that far in two hours and 26 minutes has been in my car. Right? Like, my legs was never designed to do that, but hers clearly was. But what was amazing about um, Shalane's life, I, I think, is not the fact that she won the New York Marathon. It's when you dig into her life and you kind of see the backdrop um, in the sports world, there's, there's a name for it. They call it the, the Shalane effect. See, Shalane uh, trains uh, with the Nike running club. And um, when she first started training, a lot of the focus was on the men's team. And the women's team and the women who were in that team were largely overlooked. And she shows up and she starts to run and she starts to grind and she starts to press and push and... Um, she starts to attract other women talent. What's amazing about the running club is if you look at who is in that running club, what you'll find is that every 11, all 11 women who've trained with her made it into the Olympics, which is an extraordinary feat. When you think one running club, one elite group of athletes, that all 11 of those women that ran with her regularly eventually made it to the Olympics. They would become national champions, world champions, Olympic champions. They are arguably, at, at the peak, the best runners in the U.S., if not the world, just in the, the sense of the group itself. And what made that group so great was Shalane, and that she had this amazing ability to bring everything she had to her competitive, I'm going to be and beat my best, but that she would bring along the rest who were with her. And that their game got better because they ran with her. In some ways, I think Shalane would have been one of those illustrations had Solomon been laying in the bed with his children explaining this passage. Because that's the way it works when it comes to the who. The who you are with shapes the who you become. And Shalane's life demonstrates that. But there's this interesting part of the passage. If you notice, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And to me, this is probably the most interesting part of the proverb. Because I get the first, but this one is sort of surprising. It doesn't say a companion of fools becomes a fool. Notice it. It says a, a companion of fools suffers harm. It's almost like a fool is some type of fragment grenade that when it detonates, the fragments fly, and anyone close suffers the consequences of it. It's just Solomon's making the point that 
it's, it's proximity, not participation, that makes it dangerous when you're hanging out with fools. Proximity, not participation. Because participation, we, we've all been in that place, right? Well, I'm not going to do what they're doing. I'm not going to say what they're saying. But he's not saying that. He's like, look, no, no, no. Proximity, not participation, is the danger of spending time with fools. And that had Solomon's son listened to this, it would have changed his life. But see, Solomon's son heard this proverb, but he never heeded it. Solomon's son didn't realize that if you spend time with people who aren't careful with their lives, they're never going to be careful with your lives. If you're spending time with people who don't mind abusing their body, they're never going to mind you abusing yours. If you spend time with people who don't mind wasting their time and their life, then they're not going to mind you wasting yours. Have you ever noticed it just seems to aggregate like that? And that the danger is that who you are with ultimately shapes who you become. I don't have time to get into Solomon's son's storyline, but know that when Solomon passes away, his son steps into leadership, and his son is handed this opportunity. And because he listens to a group of friends who he should have never listened to, because he was with them, he ultimately lost the empire he inherited from his family. Because at the end of the day, whether it's at a grand empire level or whether it's at a dinner table with an eight-year-old, the who you are with affects the who you become. And for most of us, we don't think about our relational circles. We think about it when we move to a new place, we start a new job. That's when normally we hit reset. But I think this proverb challenges us not just to look when we step into something new, but to look at the existing too. Because I want you to imagine the people who are in your life right now, that core group of people, and ask yourself, what's the direction their life is headed? Where are they moving towards? Hit fast forward. Play it out a little bit. Where are they going to be relationally in their marriage with their children? Where are they going to be in their finances and their spiritual life? And realize that you're along for that ride and that the direction they're headed is the direction you're headed to. And so how do we have the courage to step back and to make the changes and to do the shifts and not just dig into the who, but even to start to execute around the what. I think it really goes back to the very beginning of wisdom itself. See, Solomon, when he teaches his son, he says, son, there's a beginning to wisdom, and it's the fear of God, which to us as modern listeners is like, well, I already have a fear of God. I grew up in a church where I was taught God was just waiting to blast me with that lightning bolt. No, 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 not that type of fear. The, the Hebrews had a, a bigger, deeper appreciation, and the word fear is synonymous with awe or majesty or wonder or greatness. Uh, I recently came across a picture that I think captures this Hebrew concept. So I, if you spend time in Encounter Church, you'll know that I am a bit of a nerd um, when it comes to science and what I read and that's a whole different story. But um, so one day I was reading about volcanic lightning. I was fascinated with this phenomenon because when volcanoes explode, um, there's this really cool feature that 
I don't ever remember being taught in school. And I'm pretty sure if my teacher had taught me, I'd have leaned in on this because I was like, that's amazing. So what happens is as the ash and as the lava begins to come out of the top of the volcano, there's a little bit of friction in the air, and it essentially creates the equivalent at a grander scale of something called static electricity, that thing that's evil that zaps us when we least expect it, right? And so, but it creates it at this grander scale. And so as that kind of ash is rubbing up against itself, you have this experience, this phenomenon called volcanic lightning. And this is a picture of volcanic lightning. So as the volcano is erupting, lightning bolts shoot out of the volcano. I mean, come on now. Like, that is amazing. And so this is a time-lapse photo of 10 minutes of a volcano erupting. Look how much lightning is in that ash cloud. Like I, I, like, I totally understand why ancient people, when they stood at the foot of a volcano, just felt like they should worship it. Because can you imagine being in the presence and that's happening? In 1980, when Mount St. Helena exploded, um, there was volcanic lightning that was in the ball form, which is this huge bouncing ball of lightning that was the size of a Volkswagen Beetle bouncing down Mount St. Helena. I mean, it's lightning just rolling like a ball across the ground. It's amazing. And so this is lightning as the lava and the ash cloud is falling down the side of the mountain, this lightning bolt. And so when the Hebrews said fear of God, this is what they meant, this sense of like, oh, my goodness. This is so much bigger than me. Life is so much greater than me. We live our lives in small little comfortable bubbles that we manage all the time. Rarely ever are we exposed to something that puts us in our proper perspective. That is why people go to the Grand Canyon. Because at the, at the, I mean, at the pure raw scale of it, the Grand Canyon is just a hole in the ground. If you want a hole in the ground, pick up a shovel and go dig one. But none of us take pictures of a hole we dug in the ground. But when you stand at the foot of the Grand Canyon or the top of the Grand Canyon, you see the majesty and the, the, you're like, oh, my goodness, I am so tiny right now. I am so small right now. And this was just one of those moments flipping through these images. I was like, I, man, I'm, I'm just so small. And that, that fear of God is the source of wisdom because when you understand who he is and you have a proper perspective of who he is and the majesty and the power that he does that, in his spare time as a side hustle, then you start to appreciate who he really is. But it does something inside of you because when you realize the who that is with you is greater than anything around you, it starts to breed and to stir inside of you courage and confidence. It starts to do something to you when you face challenges, when you face barriers that get in the way of who you know you should be becoming. It means that when you stare at the darkness of those things that have been staring at you for decades, you realize that your God has a side hustle that makes volcanic lightning that puts everything into perspective. And that he is so much greater and bigger than what you're struggling with. And that the beauty of what God does, and the New Testament kind of reflects this. If you flip through uh, the Christian scriptures, what's typically called the New Testament, you'll see the word you frequently. The word you, because of English, is a little deceptive because English is a tricky language. You can be singular or it can be plural. Now, as Americans, most Americans read the New Testament and they see you and they say you singular. 
So all these great passages that get stamped on bumper stickers and people's, you know, most of the time the you is actually you plurals. All the New Testament letters, with the exception of a few, were written to a group of people. God didn't intend us to do this thing alone. And the entire New Testament letters reflect the fact that on the other side of together, on the other side of better is together. That we are better together. And that I think a beautiful picture of this is actually found in Ethiopia. About 100 years ago, 40% of Ethiopia was covered with forest. Now, today, 4% of Ethiopia is covered with forest. And yet, the 4% that still exists, thousands and thousands and thousands of these little tiny pockets just like that, are scattered around the nation of Ethiopia. And at the center of every one of these little green oases in the middle of a barren kind of dry wasteland is a church. You see, at the core of the theology of this specific church is this deep realization of at the very beginning of Genesis, man's first job was to be a cultivator, a gardener. And they took seriously this idea of cultivation and gardening. And so every single church in Ethiopia There's thousands of little pockets of forest because of it, with a church right in the middle. And as I was reading this story in the New York Times a few months ago, I was like, man, that is the living picture of what the church is meant to look like. No matter how dry, no matter how harsh, no matter how hard life is, church is meant to be that place where in the center we can find renewal, we can find refreshing, where we can find life and energy and hope. That on the other side of all of that, that dryness of life sometimes, that we can step into this and be refreshed. Because the who that's above this who is greater than whatever you happen to be going through. And because the who that is in this room, that is serving around this building, that's listening in on light right now, scattered around the world in jobs and different travel reasons is of people who are saying we want to move that way with him and because of that because of that together we can be better that's why today's message is a lot shorter than normal because right after church day we want to be able to share a little bit more we know there's so many people who've come to this church and we're like, we want to kind of give, build out an avenue just to share more about it. So we have something called Jumpstart. So right after this service, about 10 minutes actually um, from now, uh, there'll be a three-minute countdown on the clock. And if you want to learn more, because there is more to encounter. And if you want to learn more what that is and what it is maybe that you can encounter, then there's a 15-minute kind of quick gathering where we just kind of walk, want to walk through and tell you a little bit more about who we are and what there is for you to experience that better together. And if you have time today, or maybe you're not even that point, let me tell you about one other thing that puts some feet on how and what we believe about this group of people that come together that that are meant to be better because of it. Uh, We've created something called Soul Food. And uh, Soul Food is this really um, just unique environment. We we actually turned this room into um, a restaurant. And um, soul food, it's kind of because soul food is good food. Uh, so was, there's some soul food. There's some goodness to it. Um, but it's also not just the food. It's also food for your soul. 
and that there's conversation, there's dialogue. It takes this last month of what we've been talking about better, and it just makes it fun. And it just brings a little bit of life because at the end of the day, the, the quality and the direction of your life is determined by the who you're with. And we want to create environments where you can get to know people because it's a whole lot better. This place is a whole lot better when you're not sitting in rows, but sitting around circles, learning and growing together. Even if you're not sure what you believe spiritually, this is a place where you can belong even as you explore and look into what we believe. And that soul food is $10. And if that's a financial issue for you, we would love to help you. And that it's $10 because one, we know when you sign up for something free, we all guilty, we don't show up for it. Okay. So we're like, oh yeah, I'll do that. And then we don't. But then two, um, the food is really quality food. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to go on a date night and have better food for $10, okay? And you're not going to have the fun conversation getting to know other people. The last time we did this, we, we tested it out because we've kind of created this concept and we wanted to know, like, will this work? And people loved it. They had fun. They laughed. And um, people who, some were just started attending and they were like, I want to come back to this. This was great. And so you can sign up for um, Soul Food in the app right now. Um, or you can swing by starting point, which is the glass space when you first walked in. Uh, someone can help you sign up there. And if you're interested in Jumpstart, then right after this last song, just hang out. And in three minutes following that closing, um, I'll come back up and I'll walk you through 15-minute presentation of a little bit more. Because there is more for all of us to encounter. Because this is what I know. If you're going to experience a better 2020, then we must become intentional about the friendships and the relationships in our life because the who you are with is shaping the who you become. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. Did you know we've created a free app just for you? Whether you are exploring or want to grow in your faith, the app is a great place to start. If you found today's teaching helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you on site or online at Encounter Church soon.